Welcome back to America's leading higher education podcast, The EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. Hosts Dr. Joe Salustio, Elizabeth Liba, and producer Elvin Freites bring you the brightest and most influential minds in higher education today. We explore innovations, ideas, and issues in higher education and beyond, and hopefully have a little fun along the way. Now let's get to it. Whether you're pacing short for your start goals or your summer melt needs a cool down, your challenges can be overcome with the right partner. In collaboration with the EdUp Experience, our sponsors, MDT Marketing, are offering a free marketing consultation. Head to www.mdtmarketing.com edup and start your free consultation. It's direction for your unique situation that will help you ramp up your marketing and enrollment efforts, and it's all for free. Head to www.mdtmarketing.com slash edup. Welcome back, everybody. This is the EdUp Experience, where we make education your business, interviewing the brightest and most influential minds in higher education and beyond. We always like to have a little fun along the way. This is Dr. Joe Salustio, and this is the point of, uh, in the episode, or the amount of pressure I have to introduce my co-host is nearly insurmountable. However, in this particular case, I have a special co-host guest with me. She, in fact, now when this episode is released, you'll have heard her and seen her already. She is the new host of EdUp EdTech, Holly Owens. Holly, how are you doing today? I'm great, Joe, and I'm so happy to be here with you and, you know, have this conversation. It's going to be wonderful. Well, you know, you got a lot of pressure on you now to, to take the EdUp brand. and I can't fill those shoes. That's too much pressure. <laughs> well, you never know, Holly, who might just be popping into the EdUp EdTech episodes I might, you might have a special guest from time to time to help you host. Who knows? I, Absolutely. you know, I can't stop talking. So I'm going to be knocking on your door going, Holly, can you, you, you want to co-host for the day and see how you feel? <laughs> Sounds good. Well, I'm not going to give you as much stick as I give Liz, because, you know, we, we, you, you have uh, you, you've got to get out there and get those episodes out there. And I've got to, I've got to figure out what your transition statements are before I can start making fun of you and all that kind of stuff. So we'll just move in and introduce our guest. He has uh, got an amazing story, and he's on the line right now. His name is Mark Jerome, and he's president of Monroe College. Mark, how are you? I'm terrific. Thanks for having me on the show. We are very excited to talk with you. You've, uh, you know, first of all, let's talk about Monroe College and the story uh, behind it as we were getting ready to come on the episode here. You've got a really unique, I would say, story about, about Monroe College and your affiliation with, with the college. So talk about that a little bit. Absolutely. So it's a great story. 88 years ago, my great aunt on my maternal grandmother's side and my grandfather founded the institution in the Bronx, really as a more vocational institution. And I am the third generation of my family to lead the institution over all these 88 years. My father was here for about 50 something years and is now the chairman. Um, I've been here for 27 years leading our suburban campus, and I became the president in 2017, four years ago. All right, so here's the question. You're, you know, you're, your father's chairman. What's it like working with dad uh, that close? And you don't, you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but uh, I would imagine you guys have a great relationship. Yeah, well, first thing, you know, all of my work 
Um, I stand on his shoulders. He built an institution that was completely caring, especially for faculty and staff. And I, I basically arrived with a group of people who were totally dedicated to the mission. Um, interestingly, Monroe College really runs almost like a traditional nonprofit. So even though he's the chair, he's excused from doing any review of me uh, or any of that because of the relationship and the board works with me independently on that. But I still turn to him for all of his 50 years of experience and uh, all of the cultural things he's instilled at Monroe College. And you know, I think the first question that we always like to ask when we're talking with somebody who's leading really a career college for adult learners, you have online, you have on ground. The career college sector, as I like to refer to it uh, today, has had its set of challenges over the last uh, 15 years, maybe 20. And there is, in my mind, and I'm sure you agree, but I'm going to ask you to expand upon it, a definite and critical need for career colleges to help upskill the workforce, especially with gross unemployment and the number of people who are out of work. How important is career education to our economy in your eyes? So it's interesting. I look at it a little differently than you. I really never worry about sector, whether an institution is public, nonprofit, or proprietary. I really look at the first words you're talking about, the career side, whether the institutions are successively preparing students for employment and earnings and doing it with not too much debt. And, you know, I've generally been an advocate for my entire career of looking at outcomes universally and also making sure that the institution is preparing people for the, for basically gainful employment, a, you know, a, a, a path forward that's sustainable and that actually people graduate. And one of the things I've done the most work on is that there really are many too many institutions of all types where a lot of students start, but not enough finish. So they don't even have a chance to apply what they're learning because so many are not completing. What do you think about that, Holly? Come on in. Uh, uh, yeah, in. I'm, I'm just, you know, it's something that I'm passionate about too, is connecting students with that real world experience. Because as an online educator, it's really difficult to do that. And I see you have, you know, you have online, you have on the ground, like Joe was saying, and also you have this experience where you could do some in person and some online and these internships that really give the students, you know, the real world experience. When I came out, of my undergraduate degree, I really felt like I was severely lacking that real world experience as an educator. And people kept saying, it's gonna take you about five years to be a real educator. You know, even though we did the student teaching internship, it still takes that time for you to go in and really get that real world experience. So I wanna hear more about some of the internship opportunities and things that you offer to students and how you connect them with that real world and those job, the job market and all those corporate um, you know, entities that exist? Yeah, so it's a great question. So let's just start first with the faculty. So Monroe College, to be a faculty member, the process is a little different than a typical institution. We look at two things. Number one, do you have relevant industry experience? Really to teach at Monroe, you had to work in the field. But number two, which is equally as important, can you be a good teacher? Can you actually impart the information? 
So every faculty member goes through a, a basically a mock teaching exercise where a group of faculty administrators and students review them. And there are times where we have um, very prestigious faculty members who've published in their field, but either don't have the real world experience or are not the greatest in the classroom and we will not hire them and someone else will hire them. And so that's the first thing Monroe is known for. The second thing which you alluded to is connecting students to employers. So if you looked at the resources that Monroe um, allocates, we allocate a disproportionate amount of resources to what we call career services. You know, there's a large staff of master's credentialed folks that all they do is help students line up internships. And then there's a group which is called corporate and community partnerships, which lines up corporations and community organizations to hire our students, to give them internships. And I think we place about 1800 students in internships every year. That's amazing. That's unbelievable. And I'm so, I'm so happy to hear that with what you do and take, and also the way you hire faculty, that's so non-traditional. Um, you know, the faculty have to come in with this long CV. They, and I always say that faculty members have their subject matter experts. They're not pedagogically trained. So right. that's the, sometimes the resistance we're dealing with when we go in as, you know, myself coming from instructional design to train them. So I'm, it's very refreshing to hear that an institution is taking that seriously and hiring people that are not only experts in their field, but they also know how to teach and can give the students the valuable learning experience. Now, now one other thing. So I lead by example. So for the past 27 years, I have always taught my own freshman class, either in government, political science, sometimes speech communication. And even in the pandemic, when everyone is virtual, you know, like all the other faculty, I learned our platform, I teach virtually. And literally one minute before I started this podcast, I just clicked off a class I am co-teaching with a former Obama um, staffer named Michael Blake, who really focuses on something called My Brother's Keeper. And he's a former assemblyman in New York. And we are teaching at no cost, 160 Bronx high school juniors and seniors, a course on government and social justice. And right as at 3.58, we finished up going over the impeachment that's going on. And we also went over Jacob Blake in one of the social justice classes. So I'm in there with the faculty, they know that. And it makes a difference when the president is doing what they do and you know can relate to their experience. Not only doing what they do, but also uh, part of the KPIs, right? If you have a, a, a horrible retention rate in your class and everybody's gonna have eyes on that. So you have extra incentive to do well and provide the level of service that Monroe College does, but having all of the eyes on you it is really leading from the front. So I commend you on that. That's, a, that's great to hear. I do want to ask you about your ESL classes for a minute. You, you, you guys offer some ESL classes, as we know. Uh, as we know, New York is the great melting pot. There are a lot of folks that are either um, coming and needing to learn English, need to uh, increase their proficiency with English. There's a, a socioeconomic uh, divide that exists. A lot of schools discontinue ESL classes because they're a loss leader, because they don't 
create revenue because they haven't proven to really be viable long-term for colleges and universities. You guys have stuck with it. You continue to offer them. How important are ESL classes to you and your community, Dick? So, you know, they're very important. I totally believe in them. And there's two different types. So Monroe College is unusual in that we educate about eight or 9,000 students each year, but about 1,000 to 1,300 are foreign students. And some of them come with language deficiency and they need classic ESL classes to prepare for whatever their degree program is. The other group, which is bigger, are New York and national students that we call English language learners that really they might've arrived from the Dominican Republic at age 15. They're doing well in school, but they may even be being taught in primarily Spanish. So we have a whole group of faculty and a curriculum designed just for them. And what's interesting is those L students, which many institutions view as challenging and have retention issues with, we have some of the highest retention because what they look for is, are you behind them? Will you support them? And they wanna know there's, a, there's not a giant bureaucracy that's gonna scare them, but a group of people that's there to help them each step of the way through and understands their experience. And so I do, I visit a lot of high schools and some of my proudest moments are visiting high schools where the bulk of the class is our Spanish speakers and they're nervous about college and Holly will know about this, remediation at most public two-year institutions is very challenging. And many, many students, especially English language learners, do not graduate college because they just don't get through the remediation. Monroe's com combination of remediation and language has proven to be very, very successful. I, I've got to find out, Holly, I don't know if you have a setting on your microphone, but every time Mark says something extremely impactful, it sounds like there's just this rumbling thunder coming behind <laughs> him. Uh, uh, Mark, just it's like it's driving home your point. I don't know what setting that is on the microphone. Maybe I'm just too loud, so I'll. No, it, it could be it could be a train, but who knows? No, you know? No yeah, train. it could be a, a above ground subway in the Bronx. Yeah, it could <laughs> be if you're hearing just a little thumping. That could be the heating system in a hundred year old building. <laughs> Are you hearing me fine now? Yeah, yeah, no. It was every time you're saying something awesome, that train rolls by, and it just gives you some extra oomph to to your statements. Which yeah, is, definitely. Uh, that, that's awesome. And definitely that's a challenge with, um, you know, some of the, I teach um, at a different institution and some of the students are, a lot of them are international students and it's definitely something that they need that extra support, um, whether it's they're speaking it a different language at home or they're, you know, they're coming from another country. And I try to be supportive and offer them not only in my course and the resources that we have, just like Monroe, the, they get exposure to what they need in order to be successful and you know you have a team of people behind you that are willing and ready to help your students and that is wonderful and the students feel that i always say that through the faculty through the administrations the student experience is something that transcends all of that you know they feel everything that's happening. So if there's an issue, they're gonna, they'll probably know about it, the students will. If you you get a bad faculty member, a bad egg in there, it's gonna affect the student experience. So what you're doing there is really creating the positive learning environment that all our students at higher education institutions are looking for and what they want. Yeah, I appreciate that. And what I actually care about though is, is it working? 
And so I guess, you know, one of the things we'll toot our own horn on is in the entire state of New York, even though we may not be the largest institution, we have an outsized impact. Um, for full-time students, we actually graduate the most black students of any institution in the state. And for Latino, we're about number five or number six. And so combined, we graduate close to 3,000 students every year. And we just make a very big impact on those underrepresented communities. And when people look at the Monroe College data, part of it is we also have a very high graduation rates for students who are low income and receive the Pell Grant. And this is what we're known for. This is what we're proud of. And we don't try to you know, go outside of our lane. This is what we do. And we think we do it as well as any institution in the nation. If I'm not mistaken, Mark, you guys were recently ranked in US News World and Report for a social mobility index. Do you, yeah. so, can you talk so about that? Social mobility, we always get ranked. The first ranking was in, in the New York Times by it's called the Rob Chetty Report. And I think we were top 1% in the nation, maybe like number 36 or 37 out of 4,000 colleges, moving low-income students who start 12 years later up to income deciles. And you know that's just, and that's just data that someone else pulled up. US News and World Report, I think ranks us number one in the Northeast. And again, you know, this is what we do, which a lot of institutions struggle with, is, is working with students from low-income backgrounds, from urban high schools, sometimes without the best preparation, and helping them each step of the way until they graduate and get employment. So and it's hard work. It's hard work. If you're experiencing any level of marketing challenge right now, you've got to ask the hard questions, and you need answers. Are you using the right mix of channels to get in front of your future students? Is your messaging personalized and delivered in a medium your audience and future students will respond to? And are you spending more time building reporting than listening in on what your students really want? All of these questions will get answered when you sign up for your free consultation with MDT Marketing. Head to mdtmarketing.com edup, submit your information, and talk to MDT. Don't go it alone. Find the right partner. The guys at MDT, the team at MDT is absolutely amazing. Whether it, your challenge is the cost of inquiries, your melt, your branding, the bad and incomplete information that come with your inquiries, whatever it is, an audit of your challenges will help your institution and it's free. mdtmarketing.com slash up. Yeah, it is hard work. And you know, it's, it's not, not only hard work, it's passionate, long-term hard work. It's, it's never ending. It's always about helping the next student. Talk to me, you're, you're well-spoken. You know Monroe, Monroe College very well, having basically grown up there. You are in a very competitive area geographically for students. And higher ed is more competitive than it's ever been now. But per, you know, if, you, if you look at the number of colleges, just in surface area, the Northeast just has tons of schools. It's very competitive, especially regionally. What's the value proposition? Distill it for me. Monroe College's value proposition that, that you do better than anyone else, that you're putting in this messaging in front of the students that, that makes them interested in coming to Monroe College instead of, well, how many other colleges, even in just that area, forget online recruitment. 
But yeah. talk to me about the value proposition. Terrific. You know, it's one of my favorite things. So uh, thankfully, even during the pandemic, we have remained very popular and we're one of the few institutions that were highly selective in some ways about, you know, we receive thousands and thousands of applications and close to 50% of the students don't meet the standard. So we, you know, rep, we look like a more traditional institution. Why Monroe College? Number one, the culture and family-oriented values. Um, in New York City, most of the large high school buildings have broken up to small, almost private school-sized institutions where the graduating class is no more than 100. Often it's 50. These students are used to a loving and supportive environment that most of higher ed doesn't give. And Monroe College, starting from the president on down, offers that. The students get my cell phone, they get my email, they get my Facebook page, and I send a bi-weekly phone blast out, especially in the pandemic, just to connect to them. And so that's number one, our culture, warm, family-oriented, and you know, personal. Number two, incredibly diverse faculty. Often we hear from students, I went to a large institution, but the faculty, I didn't relate to them. At Monroe, with 70% of the faculty being African-American or Latino, I relate to the faculty. They remind me of myself. They can talk to me. And so that's very important. And then number three, a relentless focus on outcomes and integrity. So no matter what we do, we are tracking students every day. If anyone is missing class, we're contacting them. Even students who drop out or fail out, we have a whole approach to bringing them back to get come back to school to graduate. And those three things, with always doing the right thing for the student, has served us well. And that's what makes people know us. We are who we are. Um, you know, what you see is what you get. But when you look at the outcomes, the graduation rate is, is close to 10 times higher than, the, than other institutions in our neighborhood that serve the same students and who often get a much larger subsidy from the government. Yeah, and Holly, you can speak to this. Yeah. So much of this is about personal attention. And Mark, you just detailed it, right? So Holly, go for it. Definitely. And I think that the, you giving out that, you know, even that email and that phone number, wow, that's unbelievable. That's like unheard of, um, especially for university or college presidents. So that's amazing. And I love the fact that you are connecting with your students because it's really all about, and you say this on your, your webpage and you've said this in this episode, it's really all about the relationships that you have with people. We're trying to help these students be successful. We want them to grow. We want them to learn, but we also want them to go into the world and feel prepared. So, you know, taking that beyond um, the, the borders of the United States, I noticed that you have um, a program in St. Lucia. You have an experience down there. So I want to hear a little bit more about that, what you offer, why St. Lucia, and what that experience is all about, how that came um, through Monroe and if, College. And if you're looking for any advisors to go check out. Yes, Lucia, I'm in. Yeah. Well, this is one of the hardest parts of my job that about three or four. Oh, go on, Mark. Go on. I have to go to St. Lucia, preside over faculty meetings, commencement, you know, orientations. And, you know, I, I you know, of course, I have to see the beach. And I'm a very good runner. 
I ran in college. And so everyone sees me running in St. Lucia and it's hot, but St. Lucia is just part of our mission. Monroe has always served institute, you know, people and places where there's not necessarily educational choice. And essentially about 11 years ago, the government of St. Lucia approached us, our criminal justice program, that they were hosting the cricket world championship. They had a very top player named Darren Sammy, and they were worried, they wanted their police force to be trained to handle the um, increase in tourism and all the visitors. And they wanted their police force to get a bachelor degree. So in many of the Caribbean islands, which are on the British system, they have wonderful two-year institutions, but no four-year graduate. So we first educated this group of top police officers, one who ended up becoming the commissioner of police and now is a faculty member at Monroe. And after we educated that group, earning their bachelor degree, we opened up a campus and the campus serves working adults who have an associate degree, who are either in the hotels, in the restaurants, in government, in the police force. And just like in New York, there's nowhere I walk in St. Lucia, no government office I visit where someone doesn't say, hey, President Jerome, I'm your graduate. That's true in New York. That's true in St. Lucia. We were just negotiating a, um, a program to train unemployed adults to work in the cruise lines. And I had to meet the permanent secretary to get approval for the funding. And when I walked into his office, he said, he started to hug me. I said, why are you hugging me? He said, because I attended Monroe College 25 years ago when you were a young man. And I remember you when you started and my brother graduated and my sister graduated. And now I'm the permanent secretary uh, in the prime minister's office in St. Lucia. So that's that, cool. is, that is my That's story. super cool. And uh, that has to feel great as an educator yourself. When somebody says that, how you change their life, that's, that's when I get chills, like you get the goose. That's the promised land, right? Holly? Yes, for, that's for definitely the promised land for sure. That's amazing. And that's what makes my job so great that anywhere I go, especially in New York and in the Caribbean islands where we have many students, people always say, hey, President Jerome, I graduated Monroe College. You changed my life. Even in the middle of the pandemic, at the end of July, I had to get surgery and I wasn't sure which surgeon to choose. And the person who scheduled me for the surgery at a giant hospital wrote me a note and said, I just want you to know I'm your graduate. And not only am I your graduate, I have two children who graduated and two children who are still at the college. And I was like, you are a great Monroe College family. And each year at commencement, which we do at Radio City Music Hall, 3,000 graduates, about nine or 10,000 guests. We sell it out twice. I always announce all of the graduates who are graduating with relatives, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives, brothers and sisters. And there's often a hundred related family members graduating from the institution in the same class. So how has, uh, how has your recruiting been affected uh, at all or positively, negatively during coronavirus well, in the last it, 18 months, I mean, 16 months, whatever it is? Yeah, it's definitely a challenge, especially with high school students, because you, know, you can't see them. You're not able to visit the high school. They have to sign up on a Zoom or do it virtually. So that's been challenging. And the high school enrollment has shrunk this past fall. But because unemployment is high, 
the adult enrollment is up. And we also have a special program for students who did not earn a GED, who want to get a GED and a college degree called Career Pathways. It, Congress had cut the funding and then put it back. And it's a remarkably popular program because in the pandemic, more students than ever have left high school. And so that program got very busy. And so that's how we've held our own. And then foreign students, which that enrollment declined precipitously, um, they have moved to online from their country. And did you move, just a quick question, how, how did they move online in their country? Was it a smooth transition? Were there difficulties, broadband access, you know, items that, that were in place or was it pretty smooth? Well, overall it was smooth, partly because the college had already adopted its learning platform way before. And ironically, one year before, something horrible happened to us that ended up being a blessing. We were one of those colleges that was struck by a cyber attack, a ransomware attack, and all of our systems were locked up. The computers didn't work, the phones didn't work. And guess what? We did not miss a day of class. The whole staff came in. We actually emailed on their private emails, every single student. And that experience of communicating on scale to 7,000 people on short notice prepared us for March 13th when we closed and we went to all virtual because the pandemic was just getting so bad in New York. And boy, in March and April, it was really bad. Um, but they did well. And then to be fair, I was very involved with advocating on the CARES Act funds with you know the congressional staff. And we received $12 million of funds um, and something like 7 million of it has went rights to students, including every new student received a free laptop. I mean, if we need to, we will give them, you know, pre-bought bandwidth. So any of that we handle, and that goes through my office and my office, you know, FedEx is out um, laptops, FedEx is out the Wi-Fi or the cellular connection if we need to. And I even had students that were in homeless shelters who we had to help. And that all, I share that experience with many of the members of Congress. And that helped, you know, with the um, funding that went out, both the first round and the second round. Wow. Um, you know, that, that again gave me chills about how you're, you're helping your students and taking that money and really putting it to good use. And I, I really commend you for that. And you can tell that just from chatting with you that it really is like a family, you know, when something happens to one of us, it's happening to all of us. We need to help this person. We need to, you know, get them up, up to speed with things. So great job on that. And I really want to know more about, you know, what your students you you've obviously experienced, you know, with your alumni, do you have you know, great alumni support, um, you know, do you have students come back and, you know, talk to your current students? So how does that all look at Monroe College? Once they step out the door, they get the job, you know, what does that handoff look like? So first thing, I guess I'd say, you know, besides talking the talk, we walk the walk in the sense that we employ a large number of our graduates. So at the college, faculty and staff at all levels there's a large number of Monroe College graduates who want to give back. You know, I get that all the time of people who graduated, who got their master's degree, who work in the field, they wanna teach. Number two, 
it's a very strong 40,000 or more member alumni group, and they are incredibly loyal to the college. And one of the things you might not know, Monroe also is one of the largest, has one of the largest athletic programs in the nation with over a thousand division one and division three athletes. And it's such a high level that often they're recruited to the elite four-year colleges and some go pro. But what always strikes me is when they go to do their signing or their announcement for the Yankees or for a football team or a soccer team, they often choose to come back to Monroe, which they view as their home because of our environment. You know, when they go to the large four years, it definitely helps them with the athletics and get the pro contract, but they still remember Monroe as being different. So we always have alumni coming back. And then lastly, our alumni who become management hire a lot of our graduates and give a lot of the internships. That's great um, to hear that and that they come back. You know, I love hearing when they do Monday night football and where all the, the football players announce who they are and what college they went to, you know, that recognition is, is awesome for them to do and give that recognition to the institution that served as their home for four, however many years, and then say, you know, I'm a proud alum of blank. And it sounds like you have a lot of people that yeah. have done that and went, you know, went and talked about Monroe college. So I'm, I'm loving everything you're saying here. I mean, one of my greatest days was two summers ago when the world cup in soccer was being played in the women's quarterfinals, it was Brazil versus France in a brutally competitive match. And all of a sudden the Fox announcer got on and said, and Brazil has a brilliant new defender. They gave her name and she was like, she was comes from the Monroe College in the Bronx national championship soccer team. And my phone lit up from people all over the world because so many people from outside of the US are, follow the World Cup soccer so vigorously and that was, you know, the kind of thing that makes my job what it is. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> uh, by the way, uh, for anybody that's wondering, uh, Monroe is accredited by Middle States. Shout out to Dr. Heather Perfetti, the uh, president and CEO over at Middle States. She's a great friend of the Edif experience. And Middle States does a lot of, of great things accreditation-wise, uh, very flexible to allow institutions to, to thrive. Um, you know, and so that, that, that's a really important uh, point as we talk about what higher education looks like in the future, we're gonna ask you that. But there is this, um, and I ask this to a lot of the college presidents that we have on, there's a lot, uh, uh, two camps that are forming. There's some in between, but there's really two main camps. And it's this first camp that believes highly in the value of a college degree. And that it's a, it's a pathway to economic, uh, 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 you know, economic promised land. And you're gonna be able to take a golden ticket. It's, it's really a golden ticket education. There's another camp and there are people that devalue, I don't wanna say devalue, but definitely don't fully value the investment made into a college degree right now. Don't get your degree, go to work, go get a non-credit certificate, figure out what you wanna do, maybe go to college later, but you don't need a degree to be successful. Talk to me about what you hear, what you see, what you feel from your faculty, from your students, from those around you about the degree, non-degree. Yeah, I mean, I'm following the debate closely because you know the world is changing and we just finished up our strategic planning and it's like, what will Monroe College look like in a post-pandemic world? And this is one of the topics. And what you're hearing, which came from President Trump and others, is 
you know, the skilled credential that's needed in the workplace, it takes prominence over the degree. So I am really not a believer in that because I believe a college degree does more than just impart a skill. It, it defines your identity. It gives you a sense of pride. It lets you grow socially and emotionally. On the other hand, that line of thinking has influenced me and the college now offers far more short-term introductory vocational training kind of programs to, to, to meet people's needs and attract them into further um, education. And so whether it's something like phlebotomy or medical billing, or, you know, there's a whole, you know, uh, alcohol and, so, and substance abuse counseling, there's a whole group of um, short-term certificate programs that we, we, we really were never involved with, but this debate has pushed us. So I would say these kind of debates are healthy and they make us think and they make us challenge ourselves. Guys, this is Joe just popping in to ask if you've signed up for your free marketing consultation with MDT Marketing yet. If you haven't, head to mdtmarketing.com slash edup, submit your information, get your free consultation today. Don't do it alone. Find the right partner. Yeah, that makes me think. You know, it's, me too. Yeah, what do you think about that, Holly? And we haven't had, we have, we, you've been on EdUp, you've done some EdUp uh, episodes of your own before, but we haven't really gotten to this talk about college and on college. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I'm agreeing with Mark here. Uh, the, there's a lot, of, lot to say about credentials and skilling, but there's also a lot to say about the weight of a degree. Now, if you're a millennial like me and you're coming out of college with student loan debt, that's a different situation and that's the choices that we had to make. But in, in doing so, I wouldn't be able to stand where I stand right now without the credentials that I have. You know, I'm going all the way to the finish line. I'm doing my doctorate degree right now. I'm on my dissertation. I'm basically ABD. And that's something that I'm very proud of. I'm very much tied to the, I actually worked for the institution I graduated undergrad from. And it, it's like you're saying, it's just that, that feeling, that confidence, that's, you know, that emotion towards your institution and what you've done. I'm so, so proud of the degrees. You know, I have them hanging in my office and, you know, I have a younger sister who is 12 years old. That's a story for a different time. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but she looks up to me and I have a twin and we, we both excelled um, in higher education. You know, we have multiple master's degrees. We're both going for our doctorates. And that's something that's so meaningful to me. I can't, I can't take that away. You know, nobody can take away your education. That's always something you have. And to say to me, you know, like Joe, you're saying devalue, um, you know, I, I just don't think people appreciate it as much. And I realize that those users who are saying that or those learners who are saying that maybe they weren't, they're not meant for the college experience, which is totally fine. We need people in the trades. We need HVAC people. I, I live down in South Carolina now and my grandparents are always talking about you know, I called this AC guy and he can't get to me for two weeks. It's because we don't have people who are trained and ready to go. Um, so there's always that that other experience as well um, through, you know, like those the career institutions, the trades. So I would say the value really depends on the person. And I, I couldn't put I can't put a price on what I've experienced in, in all of my degrees. So that's my long winded answer. That's good. I have two comments on this. Yeah, go, One Mark. Is, is my oldest daughter, she graduated a liberal arts college in New York. 
She was captain of the cross country and track team, but her two majors were ceramics and Spanish. And I was nervous. She was not prepared for the world of career. The irony is two years out of college, she's making an incredible living working for a subsidiary of a for, uh, fortune 500 company. And she's just doing so well financially and professionally. And some of her friends who did a little more on the vocational side, you know, are struggling in a different way. My other comment is I do a lot of work on college graduation rates and I'm actually a big proponent that the federal government should change its definition of first time full-time student, especially at community colleges to include students who completed a non-degree credential first, who then go into a degree and allow them to be in the cohort to be That's counted towards graduation. Right yeah. now, they're not permitted to be. Yeah, there's all sorts of problems with the calculations, uh, the, the first time full-time calculations that exist. And that's, yeah. we could talk for how long about that, Mark? Days? A long time. A yeah, long yeah, yeah. Time. <laughs> well, we, we want to be sensitive to your time and we want to close with our, our two final questions. And one's easy, one's um, totally up to you. The first is, what did we miss? What do you want to say about Monroe College that maybe we didn't have a chance to get to anything you have going on, initiatives, any final thoughts? And number two, what does the future of higher education look like to you? So two great questions. So, you know, what do you miss? I think our institution is worthy of study for the way we approach the education and outcomes for student populations that are traditionally not doing well nationally. So I often talk about the data that, you know, there's 830 colleges where the on-time graduation rates are below 10%. The two institutions in my borough have on-time graduation rates, you know, like seven, six percent. And you're talking about scale. And Monroe College is one of the few institutions that's been able to scale to about eight or nine thousand people, stay personal, and continue to have the really good outcomes. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, remediation, we hit on it. English language learners, you know, how you approach these students are all things we have this 87 year experience with. And then lastly, culture really does matter. I guess culture and leadership. And so those two things, if you don't have the culture and you don't have the leadership, it doesn't matter what programs you put into place because the institutions just don't have the will to follow them. On the future of higher education, here's the thing. Uh, um, online and virtual, and hybrid is here to stay. Sing it, my proven. friend. Ah, yes, you're, you're, you're. It's here to stay. It's proven to be effective. I think I'm really enjoying teaching in it. And so even when the pandemic is over, we plan to incorporate that as part of our offering. Number two, the flexible workplace is here to stay. And I have, we have both experiences. I have many staff and faculty who really wanna come into work for their own mental health and their own personal reasons. And I have some faculty and staff who really don't wanna come into work, but the flexible work schedule, you know, working from home, coming in one or two days a week also I think is here to stay. And that changes the way we use our buildings, the way we use our facilities and the way we have community. One of the greatest things about the pandemic, and I'll end on this, is I used, we do these big orientations for faculty and staff every fall. 
And they, I used to have to do three, one in the Bronx, one in New Rochelle and one in St. Lucia. But doing all these things virtually where I can bring the entire college community together has been an unexpected blessing of the pandemic. And I guess I'll end with that. Hey everybody, we hope you enjoyed that episode of the Edup Experience. To learn more about the Edup Experience, please visit our website at www.edupexperience.com and subscribe to our email list. Please share this podcast, head over to Apple, and please give us a rating and review. We appreciate your feedback. And of course, subscribe to the Edup Experience so you're notified when our episodes drop. Here at the Edup Experience, our goal is to make education your business. Thanks for listening.